0: You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Secret Rooms. Definitive Edition. Chapter 5. The Doctor's Bottle. From the journal of James Penrose, nine and a half years ago. On the first night in Weirwood, after we had eaten our supper... I would be shown to one of two West Wing dormitories that I was to share with a dozen other boys, ranging in age from six to fourteen, with those younger and older than that obliged to remain with their mothers and fathers in their respective towns, presumably because the youngsters would require more attentive personal care than the meagre support which they could lend the group would balance, and those older were seen as able to survive on their own, as part of a group of adults in their home territories. Before that, the girls took me from the library to one of the other west-wing rooms, with a dark mahogany door, which Lucy rapped upon. There came a muffled voice from within. And And as we stepped inside, I found myself in a well-appointed study, with dark, heavy furniture made from the same wood as the door. Over by the wide window, sat in a chair, a blanket over his legs, was a pale, thin gentleman, with a deeply scarred face.
1: Lieutenant Beauregard,
0: announced Lucy.
1: This is James Penrose from England, a new resident. James, this is Miss Holloway's husband, Lieutenant Beauregard, war hero and master tactician.
0: It is a pleasure to meet you, sir, I said, bowing, because it felt wrong to march all the way into the room, invading this space, to extend a hand to be shaken much as I might now like to. He did not rise, and barely looked away from his window, which I saw now overlooked the front gate. I am indebted to your wife, who found me in a sorry state of isolation. Now he did turn his head, and his face was, as I had feared, unreadable. It was unsettling standing here, in the expanse of silence.
2: Okay now, we'll leave you alone again, sir,
0: said Abigail.
2: Is there anything we might bring you?
0: To this he gave a barely perceptible shake of the head, and returned to his vigil. He seemed a haunted shape of a man, and while my curiosity was piqued, I felt we were disturbing consecrated ground with our presence here, so stepped back out into the now welcoming hallway. Before we retired for the evening, where I would have some difficulty falling asleep in a house considerably noisier than the empty one I had left behind, yet manifestly safer, Lucy, Abigail, and I made one
1: final stop. Abigail wants to introduce you to someone. What? Can't put it off anymore. Who are we talking about? Wait, him? Alright, I'm not scared.
0: Who are we meeting?
1: Abigail here has a theory that our resident house doctor is a distant relative of a historical sawbones who poisoned a whole tribe of Powhatan Indians. That ain't my theory, that's Susan's.
2: My theory is that he's just a plain old doctor. Then why haven't you been to see him? It's been
1: days now. Been too busy digging out your carrots.
0: I trust that's a phrase to be taken
1: literally. Here we are. This is his office door. I happen to know he takes his supper in here. You gonna knock?
0: I felt jostled between these two. There was a manic frisson of one-upmanship that I am certain the boy I was back in England would have found quite unseemly. For whatever reason, be it our unusual circumstances, be it lack of a good night's sleep over the past week, or be it simply that I had found not one, but two young ladies, who appeared to enjoy my company, I found myself quite swept up in their enthusiasm.' I reached out my hand to knock, but Abigail was quicker and rapped on the smooth white surface of the door. It opened, and a middle-aged man with a handlebar moustache and an impressively domed bald head stood with a plate of mashed potatoes and gravy. He finished his mouthful
3: and looked at us sternly. Who needs to see me?
1: Dr. Potts, I presume?
3: That's correct.
1: We're showing the new boy, James, around Weirwood. My name's Lucy. And my friend Abigail has a question for you. God damn it. May come in?
3: If you don't mind me finishing my supper. A man must keep his strength up. Have you all had yours?
2: We have. Can I just get this stupid question out the way so we can leave you with your privacy?
3: Is it medical in nature?
2: It's personal. Oh. Well... I guess a friend of ours was looking through a history book of Virginia and found something about a retaliation for the Indian Massacre where in 1622 this doctor by the name of Potts... Ah. ...poisoned like 200 Indians.
3: And?
2: And I... I guess I I wanted to ask if you were from his family.
0: Potts' brow had furrowed and he swallowed the last of his potato. And set the dish down. He looked at us for a moment and then crossed to one of the cabinets, retrieved an engraved glass bottle of dark liquid, returning with three small glasses in the other hand. He laid them down on the tabletop before us and unstoppered the bottle, pouring a measure into each. I stared hard at the bottle. It was unmarked. The liquid emerging was not thick and caught the light.
2: What's
1: that?
3: <clears throat> a toast to your curiosity.
1: You're not drinking?
3: No.
0: He resealed the bottle and set it down, looking at us expectantly. For the first time, Lucy seemed a little unsure.
1: What is this?
3: Smilax ornata.
0: I glanced at Abigail, and a half-smile had set on her face. She locked her green eyes on his, Picked up a glass.
2: Your good health.
0: She drained it and smacked her lips. Lucy stared at her. Abigail tilted her head daringly towards us. I picked up my glass. Smilax ornata, which from the smell, this is a vine from Mexico, and the principal ingredient in. Sarsaparilla.
2: Oh, shit, that's what that taste is.
3: Watch your language, young lady. You mean you didn't know?
2: No, but I figured if he was going to kill all three of us, then you two would have a better chance of getting away if I dropped dead on the spot.
0: Lucy let out a sigh of relief and reached for the third glass, but Potts snatched it away
3: nimbly and drank the contents. Hey! That's rare stuff now. I'm not wasting it on lily livers.
1: I'm no lily liver.
3: <sighs> I'm sure you're brave as a lioness.
1: All right, I was afraid. But come on, that's a strange way to act, when someone verbally connects you to a famed poisoner. I thought it was a pretty fun way to respond.
2: You had my heart thundering nineteen to the dozen. Thank you.
3: No, you children are quite far off the mark in your estimation of me. John Potts, or occasionally John Pott, was the colonial governor in Virginia back then. He didn't poison that tribe until a year later in 1623, and he had no children. So far as I know, no, we are not related. What I can counter your impertinent question with is one of my own. Do you know what a Hippocratic Oath is?
2: Is that where a person swears not to do some stuff that they tell others not to do and then does it anyway? Uh, I
1: know it's something about doctors.
0: It's Hippocrates, Greek father of modern medicine. It's where you swear not to harm people.
3: I will use treatments to help the sick according to my ability and judgment, but never with a view to injury and wrongdoing. Neither will I administer a poison to anybody when asked to do so.
1: So you're saying this old pot's guy broke his oath? Oh, is that where first do no harm comes from?
3: When I took my oath, I amended that to do not harm permanently.
0: Or else, how could you remove a man's gangrenous leg without harming him? With a saw?
3: Very good.
2: This isn't the first time you've been asked this question, is it?
3: I went to medical school with a hundred young men who have been taught history. I assure you, the coincidence amused practically everyone in the room.
1: We shouldn't have asked you. When you put it like that, it seems childish and mean of us. We're all sorry, right?
3: Well I actually didn't know what Abigail was going to ask, but sorry. This John Pot, as I prefer to call him, is about as far from who I wanted to be in life. Whatever your views of Indians surreptitiously murdering two hundred people is an atrocity.
2: Why didn't you change your name?
3: I may still. Now, is there anything else I can do for you beyond sharing my rare and delicious beverages? Do any of you have any interest in matters of medicine?
0: I might. Many years have passed since that moment. I recall a sense of awkward unity as Abigail and I pushed ahead and drank the offered concoction for our varying reasons and the sense of imbalance and loss that Lucy must have felt for not having joined us. In my mind's eye I can picture her golden hair haloed by dust motes in the candlelight her face half in shadow her eyelashes cast down As she avoids my glance, ashamed of the fear she felt. I want to go back now and tell her that that fear is our survival instinct. You have been listening to Episode 5 of Secret Rooms. The Doctor's Bottle. Written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Lucy Weatherfield, performed by Theo Lee. John Potts, performed by Spencer Lieb. James Penrose, performed by Alex Shaw. Still, composed and performed by Ross Bugden Creeping to Ship, Unanswered Question and Ossuary composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com Make Your Decision by Dan Phillipson of Shockwave Sound Many Soundscapes by Tabletop Audio Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you too Joel Robinson Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard Michael Hasco, Marty Hui David Sheely, Kevin Vahey Daniel Salguero Connor Kennedy, Brian Novak Evan Jankowski Sarah Montgomery Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson Tyler Long Joe Seeger, Greg Downing Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolfe Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman Timothy Green Matthew A. Siebert Joseph Gluck Luke Hatfield Nick Ord Duran Barnett Tom Painter Finbar Nicole James Enright Mark Lux Dan Mayer Joe Crow Chris Finnick Toby Jungius Dave Hickman Aaron LeCluze Kieran Dashler and Lorraine Shisham. Secret Rooms Definitive Edition is available in its entirety to own via Bandcamp, along with the rest of the audiobooks from the New Century Multiverse. So if you love the story, that is a great way of giving back. We also thrive on positive reviews. Costs a few minutes of your time, means the world to us. And it spreads the word. So you can post those on iTunes or on Amazon where you can find the Kindle versions and the beautiful paperback editions of these books.